0: Today's episode of the Jesus Calling Podcast is brought to you by James Avery Jewelry. Christmas gifts for everyone on your list. JamesAvery.com
1: God takes the worst things that, that can happen to you and turns them into the, the best things. Uh, you know, when those hardships turn into some pretty dang good songs.
2: Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast podcast. Today, we feature interviews from the country music world and the Western sports world, singer Rodney Atkins and world champion steer wrestler Rope Myers and his wife Candace, who is also a musician. First up, we have country singer Rodney Atkins. Rodney is a prolific singer and songwriter who strives to create music that connects with his fans. He grew up in East Tennessee and when he was just days old, Rodney was surrendered to the state by his birth mother. Today, he tells us how he found his family, how he nurtured his love of music from a young age, and how his faith paved the long road to success in Nashville.
1: I'm Rodney Atkins, country singer, father, husband, son, uh, and all around lucky guy. I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, grew up in East Tennessee. Uh, so when I was born, I was surrendered, and. Uh, taken into a children's home called Holston Home for Children. And um, from what I understand, my, my story getting started was that I was adopted several times and uh, pretty sick as an infant and returned um, twice to, to the, so taken home and returned um, and then adopted by my Adopted parents. It's always strange to say adopted parents, but... Um, and, uh, you, know, you know, the crazy thing about kinda how that happened. So, my adopted family had a son about six months before I was born. And um, he... I had a respiratory staph infection when I was an infant. Um, and he also had the same thing to a more severe degree He only lived a brief period of time, which is why they decided to apply to adopt. Um, So they applied to adopt, and um, they were told, well, there's a baby boy here. And due to complications from that birth, she said, well, there's no way I could care for an infant right now. And in that time, I went through being adopted and returned, being adopted and returned, and uh, so, when she had recovered, she called back and said okay i'm I'm good to let us know when a baby is available and you know and they said, "Well, that same little boy's still here, and so that's how I wound up with you know my last name. well, my dad's choir director um my mom is a nursery worker she she like manned every every church nursery um and you know, so I was around you know gospel quartets and, and choirs and never sang in the choir. I was always too shy. And uh, it was just something that was always in our life. You know, my my, my dad would direct Easter cantatas and he was always, you know, uh, singing at church and, um, and encouraging people that may not have kind of thought that they should be in the choir. He was, he was famous for, for getting that person to get up and sing and um it was just something I was always around, you know, the, the gathers were a big part of, of growing up. Early on where I grew up there wasn't much to do. It's Cumberland Gap, Tennessee. A lot of bluegrass, man. And I was around front porch picking kind of music. And that's how I started playing guitar was just somebody handing me a guitar and saying, We're in the gear of G and let's go. And, how you make a G? So they take the time to show you, and I just always love music. My parents actually said when I was like six years old, they were saying, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" and and I said, "Well, how do you get to be Charlie Daniels?" And that was kind of early on, you know. I hadn't, I, I, I wanted to do something in music, and it seemed like a crazy dream. It always does. It still does. And so I just kind of started. Getting closer to Nashville. I, I went to a junior college for a couple of years in East Tennessee, go Walter State, played baseball. And then I went to Tennessee Tech, that's in Cookville, uh, about an hour and a half from, from Nashville. And um, I was always writing songs, man, just constantly. And even, you know, when I played baseball, I was carrying my guitar everywhere. And, and we go to away games, and I take the guitar, and we're all on the baseball bus singing, Thank Junior, and whatever, Charlie Daniels. Um, I just kept writing songs, I, I struggled to get through classes because I was writing songs in the margins. Uh, I wound up meeting a guy named Mark Hauser, who was, a, you know, he was pursuing songwriting also in, in Cookville, and uh, he said, you got to play a writer's night. And so he made me get in the car, come down, and I played at a, at a writer's night. Uh, and got a little bit of interest. And all I wanted to do was write songs. I said, I could not get up in front of people, that's just not gonna happen, that's, I can't do that. And I even tried to play live a few times early on, um, and I would be so nervous, I would shake the water out of the glass, I couldn't even get a drink, I, I just wasn't gonna happen. And then in a couple of those experiences, I finally realized, this, I, okay, it's not about you, it's not about you singing these songs. It's about singing songs that people sing with you. And that was kind of, has been my, my goal all along is to, to have songs that, I can do that. I can get up and, you know, and take a little bit of, of watching my dad direct choirs. <laughs> and, uh, and we can all sing together, you know, and that's when we found songs like These Are My People. And, you know, we're all, it's a, it's a we song. And that's, that's the goal of, of everything. And it goes back to sitting on those porches and, and uh, playing with you know friends and family.
2: After he got through school, Rodney signed a record deal in 1996. But one of his biggest hits, a song called If You're Going Through Hell, wouldn't come out until 10 years later.
1: So I did a first album on, on Curb Records and uh, I think it sold six copies. And, uh, you know, it, it was a, just a nod to Curb Records, the label that I'm on, that they were encouraging me to figure out who I was and not just try to blend in, but to find a way to, where are you gonna stick your flag? What is it that you, that you represent for folks? And um, if you're going through hell, came along, Ted Hewitt, who's co produces my records with me and has forever they since they won. Uh, he was just out, you know, doing it the the old school way of going into publishing companies, listening to songs over and over and over. And we listened to thousands and that song he came in. And what was crazy is we got pitched to, I, I feel like, two other going through hell titled songs at that time. Um, this one was special, though, this one. It got me, it did something to me. Um, it just was, a, it's just a unbelievable song and we went in and we recorded it.
2: Rodney is passionate about writing songs that his fans can connect to. Countless fans have reached out to him with all kinds of stories and he shares a particularly special one to him about the power of music and a message of hope.
1: I think the song had been out for a month maybe and I got an email early on, and it was, I think, one of like, the first emails that I ever got as an artist. And uh, the, the message was that, that the, the guy said that he was uh, had just lost his job, his wife, I think one of his parents might have passed away, and, and he was just miserable. And he said that uh, he was in the parking lot of his church um, had a pistol, and he was done. He said his radio was, was just kind of barely on, and he started hearing a song play. And it's if you're going through hell. And then he said, that was 20 minutes ago. Now the pistol's at the bottom of the river, and, and I'm home, and it's going to be okay. And I think that's, that, this changed everything for me. So I've been working on a new album um, in my really fast process of making new music of about four and a half years. And I had recently done an event, the Fisk Jubilee Singers from Fisk University had invited me to to sing with them at an event they were doing at the Ryman. And when I went in to sing with, with them, I mean, it just, it got me. I mean, it was just, it's the spirit, man. They were dancing, singing. I sung a song with them called Working on a Building. I'm working on a building, I'm working on a building. And uh, they were just, it's the spirit. My wife went with me actually when I rehearsed with them and I looked over at her at one point and she's got tears in her eyes. And I mean, it's up, it's energy. It was like a few days later I heard Caught Up in the Country, the, they sent me the, the work tape of the, the, the demo. And what that song did for me, it made me feel how they made me feel. This is about, you know, being outdoors. It's, it's I, you know, it's that old expression of some people go to church and think about fishing, some people go fishing and think about God. And um, that's a, a big spiritual connection for me, being outdoors. And This song did that and, and I just, you know, things happen when they're supposed to happen. And I really just had the crazy thought almost immediately, man, if I could get those kids to come in and sing and do what they do, and I stay out of the way, (laughs) then this could be something really cool. And they agreed and we went in and recorded them and, and man, it was a blast. In this business, I can't imagine being in this business without faith. I'm a big believer in, if you go out and you want things in your time, it's probably not gonna work out. I believe in working now, working on what you're working on, you know, building that, that wall. If you start with one brick, get that brick level, right, square, and then move to the next one and take your time, um, you know, putting pavers down. Uh, and you, you stand up and suddenly you've, you know, you've made a whole driveway. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what that's what faith is. It's that if you work on this with all your heart for for God. I'm a big believer in, you know, if I'm sweeping the floor, do it like I'm doing it for God. Any any form of career success that I've had is simply because I, I feel like my faith has kind of pulled me back in and, and kept me level-headed and moving forward you know I think patience and faith go right together um, and that's I guess above any other quality I might have is, is being patient and, uh, and a work ethic and that comes to having you know trusting that the right things will, will will come along and yet you know when setbacks happen and you question decisions that you've made and uh, is this really where I'm supposed to be? You know, and and not to mention the discounters that you, that you're gonna come in contact with in this career, and you just really can't listen to that if you if you if you have faith and you're doing things for that ultimately that reason. Um, and I guarantee, you, I, I could not go out on stage every night if I thought it was on my shoulders.
2: While they're on the road, Rodney and his wife, Rose, find strength and inspiration in Jesus Calling. And they carry this inspiration with them, thanks to the Jesus Calling app. He recalls the roundabout way the book began to speak into his life.
1: You know what, my mom had the book and I, I, I saw it. I've seen it there, what's that little book? You know, and you flip to it, oh, that's pretty cool. And you get lost in it, it's a good thing. And And my wife and I, try the best we can because we're on the road, weekends, church usually. So we have our own little, you know, devotionals a lot of time in the morning. And that's, uh, I didn't realize she was using that book a lot of times just to read something and talk about it, start the day. Um, And we were actually on vacation, I think. And um, I said something in the store about, man, it was in a store. And I said, I see that little book everywhere. And I didn't even know what it was called. And, uh, and she said, oh, that, yeah, I love that book. And this was obviously a few years ago. And that's how it opened the door for us to use it in you know our morning devotionals and stuff. And uh, it's just something that, if you just, I just need a distraction for a moment. Anytime you can just kind of open it up and it's it's, you know a lot of times I know folks do that with the Bible that they just go, I'm I'm gonna open it and it's gonna tell me what I need to hear right now. And you know that's the great thing about Jesus calling is is it can take you and kind of it's a reset. Reset for the day.
2: Rodney reads us one of his favorite Jesus calling passages from February 9th.
1: Seek my face more and more. You're really just beginning your journey of intimacy with me. It's not an easy road, but it's a delightful and privileged way. A treasure hunt. I am the treasure and the glory of my presence glistens and shimmers along the way. Hardships are part of the journey too. I meet them out ever so carefully in just the right dosage. And I, and with a tenderness you can hardly imagine. Do not recoil from afflictions since they're among my most favored gifts. Trust me and don't be afraid, for I'm your strength and your song. You know, it's kind of that's my world, man. As I'm working on me, um, obviously, songs are a major part of, of my my life and how you express yourself and um, how you connect. How how you know, life's about connections. Life's about. Um, Relationships. And I think at, at, at our core, I think, you know, the first thing God did was create. And I feel like that when I'm at my best, I'm being creative. Um, and when I can be creative to touch another life, that's it. That's as good as it gets. That's success. The way I found out I was adopted, um, so my parents, my adopted parents have, they had a natural daughter, who's an older sibling for me. Um, and when I was little, I don't know, four or five, she came up and said, you're not theirs. You know, what, what kids do. Somebody else didn't want you and they took you. And, you know, those kind of things. So that's how I found out and went you know, to my mom and said, what's adopted? And uh, so it's something that I kind of always knew, and uh, chose to kind of forget about it from time to time. Um, and, and as so, my adopted parents are small folks. Um, I'm not, and so you start wondering about those kind of things, you know. And then later on, you know, I did find out I met my birth mom and. Uh, Found out who my birth father was, kind of somebody I didn't realize I didn't really want to know. Um, and I actually found out, talk about who you could have been. I found out that I have a couple of paternal brothers also, one serving life for, for murder. And it's kind of one of those, I don't, you don't even want to entertain the thoughts of growing up in that world. The way that I met my birth mom, um, working with the, the children's home uh, opened up doors of working with the National Council for Adoption. And um, we did some articles and some magazines promoting adoption awareness. And um, There was an article, I think, Godpost that came out. So that's how I pursued to meet my birth mom. And after that happened, when I met her, I realized why I needed to do that was she had, you know, been carrying this her whole life, and I just wanted to say thank you, and she just wanted to say I'm sorry, and we spent the first ten times together, I'm saying thank you, she's saying I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and uh, you know, having the opportunity to get past that and to know, know her and. It's been been amazing.
2: To learn more about Rodney's new album, Caught Up in the Country, please visit RodneyAdkins.com. We'll be right back with the second half of our show after this message from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Laura Neitzling, the host of the Jesus Calling podcast. One of my favorite Christmas memories when I was growing up was the gift that I would get each year from my dad. I would smile, seeing that tiny box under the tree each year, and couldn't wait to open it. Removing the Christmas paper and opening that little coral box, I would always find a treasure, a piece of jewelry that was special, picked out by my dad for me, from James Avery Artisan Jewelry. I cherish those pieces even today. Gifts from James Avery help tell your story, one that you and your loved ones will remember for years to come. Bring a smile to the face of those you love this Christmas with a special piece of jewelry from James Avery. This Christmas, that's the kind of smile I'm looking forward to. James Avery Artisan Jewelry can be found in their stores, in many Dillard's locations, and online at jamesavery.com. Our next guests are world champion steer wrestler Rope Myers and his wife, musician Candace Myers. Rope came from a family of rodeo athletes and started competing at a young age. In 2001, Rope followed his dreams to become the world champion steer wrestler, breaking national finals rodeo records along the way. He and his wife Candace, who had a budding Christian music and speaking career of her own, had the world at their feet until they were dealt a tough blow to their family and they began to have to rely on God in new ways. They candidly share the joys of their life together and the pain of losing their baby and how God shifted their lives into a new ministry together.
0: Hi there, my name is Rope Myers. Um, I'm the 2001 World Champion Steer Wrestler. I work at Sky Ranch Camps, and I do rodeo camps for kids of all ages, and including adults. We uh, take them from beginners in our young riders' camps to uh, fully capable, fully qualified for the national finals um, guys, so that's kind of what I get to do uh, in my professional life.
3: I'm Candace Myers and I'm a mom first and foremost. I'm his wife. Um, I'm the vice president of sales and marketing at Sky Ranch Christian Camps and uh, and I sing. I'm a singer. I've got three CDs and I sing and speak a little bit.
0: Rodeo has kind of been a integral part of our life um, all the way through. Um, my dad uh, was a you know, he rodeoed amateur before, in, until I was about eight or nine years old, and then he uh, joined the ranks of the PRCA and and actually won a world title his first year um, in in that um, association. Um, uh, we we followed the rodeo. He took us to the rodeos. He he, he uh, you know he took us got us on horses. I was on a horse before I could walk and. Um, uh, I love that the a lot of the things about that the family um that you know uh, you know in this world uh, oftentimes the dad goes off and goes to work um, but uh um, in, in the rodeo world, the dad takes their kids with them to work and that's a, and that's a kind of a good thing that I got to be a part of and and uh, grow up doing. I always tell people that you know all little boys play cowboys and Indians, I just got to use real horses so um, I I grew up in that world and loved it um, I, from a very, very early age. Um, I was saying that I was going to be a world champion someday. And um, So when you grow up doing that, um, I was one of the fortunate people that get to continue to do my childhood dreams. We, we didn't really have a background of church or background of, of Christianity or religion or anything like that. And although some of that might be a negative, it's also turned out to be a real positive, too, in the fact that I didn't come in it with any baggage or any kind of uh, misconceptions. Um, so I was actually at a, uh, we were actually a rodeo. Um, we were at a rodeo at Skidmore, Missouri, and I loved goat tying. That was my thing. I was in the juniors of, of and I wanted to be the goat tying champion. So I saw where they had staked the goats out, and they were I was going over really early in the morning, it was like 7 o'clock in the morning, really or six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, I went over there to sneak over there to tie those goats to practice a little bit. Um, but when I was over there, I, goats are not quiet, and, and they were fixing to have a little church service up in the bleachers, and the, the goats were tied right behind the bleachers, so I was like, well, I can't tie these goats now. So I crawled up in the stands and, and sat down and listened to what the, the preacher had to say, and... Um, it just rung true, and so um, I received uh, my salvation that morning right there in the ble- bleachers. And They gave us a little New Testament, a little cowboy New Testament. I've never seen a Bible like that since, but it had uh, Jesus' words in italics, so I just kept looking for the italics. You know, I didn't know much about it, so I just kept looking for the italics and reading what He had to say. And um, years later, like three or four years, five years later, I look back and I was like, why was I so peaceful during that time? It was just such a peace that was in my life at that time. And, of course, I didn't realize that then, um, but I didn't have the words to say to use that then. But what had happened is I had um, been called out of the pen. You know, Jesus calls all his sheep by name and he leads them out to new pasture. i had been called out and I had decided to go back in the pen and be the baddest bulldogging sheep in the pen, you know. <laughs> And uh, um, so I, I I wasn't walking with Jesus for a large period of that time, but there's never been a time where I've ever doubted that that was the time that God became real to me.
3: So I grew up in western Kansas. Uh, my parents divorced when I was three, but my biological dad was involved in rodeo. And so we grew up um, in the summers and at holidays, um, kind of going with him, following that same, a similar path, um, really traveling all over the United States, going with my dad. He was uh, competitive in steer wrestling and team roping and bull riding. And so I grew up uh, part-time in that world. But when I left home and went to Texas to go to school, I went to school at West Texas A&M on a music scholarship. Um, The culture there was, so the Baptist Student Union was the biggest thing on campus, right? Bigger than the regular Student Union. And there was so much activity. And they really began to put some language to the things that I think I already knew um, and began to talk about things like salvation and what that meant and and Jesus as a constant companion and Jesus as something very present, very real, and very active in my daily life and in the details of what I was doing. And that kind of just changed my thinking and my perspective. Um, and so I think that's probably when I dove headfirst into really exploring that kind of relationship and understanding that my Bible was for more than just sticking things in, right? Um, and, and so that probably was the beginning, probably sparked the beginning. So we've known each other. Rope was actually born on my birthday. And so we've known each other since we were little. And we started dating in January of 1995 and got married in October. We got engaged in June and got married in October. I think we knew in February, probably by about Valentine's Day, I think we probably knew that we were going to get married maybe about six weeks in, but, but we were living in the rodeo world. He was trying to make the NFR for the first time, and so we certainly didn't want to freak people out by thinking, we've been dating for six weeks, now we're going to get married. But we also had to really schedule the wedding and, and around what he was doing. It would have been his first time to make the finals, and I kind of didn't want to be a distraction for that either. And so, but I wanted to be a motivator because I love to do that. And so we had this conversation, and it went sort of like, okay, if you have the NFR made by this date, by July 1st, we'll get married in the fall. But if you're still trying to make the finals, we'll wait and get married next spring. And so so I feel fully responsible for motivating him to make his first NFR.
0: <laughs> I'm smart enough to marry her, so I'm, I should be smart enough to listen to what she says, so.
3: <laughs> no, we, our life is full of compromise. We have four kids, and. Um, we've had careers and, um, tragedy and hard things and beautiful things. And, um, you can't be married, uh, we'll be married for 23 years next month. You can't be married that long without learning how to compromise.
0: The first, um year we were married um candace uh, was still flying for southwest airlines and i and it was was handy for at first because it allowed us to stay connected even she could do her job and would work out our trips so she would be in the cities where i was going to be or i would get on a free flight and go see her or um, whatever she would work out our schedule to be we could be together a lot of the time which was fantastic which is a great um kind of first part of it but And we had kind of intended for that to be a little longer than that but um, we were not very far in and um, uh, she is and we go back the year before at reno Um, i had proposed and at reno that year she flies out to reno there's a lady that's you know flies all around the country as a uh, flight attendant up and down on planes all the time and she's on the flight out there she's getting sick and um,
3: Yeah, we'd been married maybe nine months at this time. Yeah. I think we'd been married about nine months is all. Yeah.
0: So a year later, after I'd proposed, a year later, um, she's, she's pregnant, and we are getting yeah. ready to have our first boy, Leighton.
3: Reno was a big rodeo for us. We got engaged <laughs> the first time I went to Reno. I found out I was pregnant the second time I went to Reno. Pretty sure I didn't go to Reno the next year. <laughs> I was opting out of Reno. Because I don't really want any more news. Um, yeah, so we had we had a baby, um, eighteen months basically um, into our marriage. So we didn't have a ton of time, uh, just the two of us. And and then we had Holden, you know, shortly on the heels of that, just a couple years later, I guess. Um, so it was in 2003, and it was probably at the height of when I was really really busy. I was just I was in the process of recording my third CD. I had two um, already that we were promoting and doing things. I was doing some radio stuff and. And really feeling like, you know, being nominated for awards and doing award shows and those kind of things and feeling like, wow, we are doing it. And he had won um, his world title in such a smashing way and then had taken some time off to go to Uganda. I and mean, then the Lord was just doing so much in our life. And, um, and we had a, a, a significant platform, at least in the world that we come from, right? And felt like we never said no to an opportunity. We were doing all the things, and um, and I found myself pregnant again, um, and knew uh, without you know without just weirding everybody out, just knew from a, a dream that I would had that I was gonna have a little girl, and um, we were excited about that. He was especially excited about it.
0: So when we she went to the doctor, and and, and they the doctor said something's not right, um, and um, she called me and she's in tears and. And um, we're going f- over for a sonogram, so, I'm, I, I, so we load up and we go over there for a sonogram. The word that uh, um, the light is shown into the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it um, was from, first, from John chapter 1. And, uh, you know, we just felt like that was from God and we just felt like that is what He said. So we just started proclaiming and standing upon that word. and. We went in and sonogram is not anything there, but we just kept staying in that place and just going, no, we feel like this is what God has told us. And faith comes by hearing, and this is what we've heard. And um, so we kind of stayed in that place. And then so much so that we are, you know, we've now had to schedule the the DNC. And um, we go into the doctor and I ask them to go get the Doppler and listen one more time for the heart heartbeat and i remember her you know being wheeled back into the to the for the procedure and i'm in the you know the out, the, the outpatient room and the outside and and just waiting in there and just waiting and just waiting and just praying and just going just kind of having it in front of god and just going god what in the world this is not you know, I felt like that was you. I mean, do I not hear from you and all that kind of stuff. All those questions and doubt that kind of enters in. And then they they said, okay, you can come back now. And So I walk in there and, I, you know, I'll never forget it. Um, I don't <clears throat> even know that she remembers all of this or whatever because a lot of it was, you know, but as she started to come up from anesthesia and come out of that, she began to speak peace and light and love and grace over these nurses and over me and over our life and over what had just happened and I, she was not even kind of fully aware but yet her spirit was and and it was such a deal It's like going yeah of course light shone in the darkness and darkness could not overcome it and it could not overcome it. it did not overcome even in the way that we recognize it, it did not overcome it. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of healing that came in there. It wasn't it wasn't all of it. There's still lots more healing to come from that. But there was a moment there that God showed us His, His grace in such a powerful and real and put-your-hands-on-it way.
3: There are moments in that time that I will never forget, uh, things that he said, um, ways that he defended me, ways that he surrounded and protected me that I, man, I'll just never forget it. It was so vital um, because tragedy has, can do different things in, in, their, in people's relationships and in their marriage. And it just, it just solidified something in us that, was, that I feel like uh, we would encounter lots of hard things after that. Um, but there was something so solidifying in those times.
0: We, we as husbands and as men, um, need to be there and be the rock that that that, that the, the 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 surf can break against, and all of those kind of things. And uh, and, and you know, as a sheep before it shears open, not our mouths, and just take a little bit of that that's, that needs to come out of there. But on the same token we we have to let God heal us too you know and let God um, work on the inside of us and and recover our own hearts and our own um, um, life in that and so there's a lot of really powerful things that that took place in there but I'll never forget that um that that recovery
3: I really needed time to work it out so I just shut it down. I canceled all my events um, and just came home and spent time with my boys that summer and sat by the pool and just let God deal with me and my heart and just did some healing work, um, and spent a lot of time in the word. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was awesome and horrible. Um, all of that and terrible and beautiful and healing and, um, revealing and all of the things that those times can be in your life. And, um, and about a year later, almost to the day, uh, I found out I was pregnant with Tierney again. And, um, And she was just the healer of broken hearts, right? Um, She didn't take the place of Zoe. It wasn't that. Um, But she just healed my broken heart in a way that's that's just real, real cool. And uh, so her name is Tierney after Paul Tierney, who was a world champion, an amazing cowboy, and a guy that had been a friend to them for a long time. And her middle name is Faith because Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And so it was such a solidifying thing there uh, with my faith too. And just kind of that, kind of the uh, God just closing the door on that chapter of like, okay, all right, now walk on. And now you can tell your story. And there have been so many, so many instances, too many to to name since that time where I know that this was an experience that I had, and absolutely God's going to use it uh, to love people, for me to bless people, for me to speak life into people, for me to encourage moms and dads, I think I said this before that and I just see God in all things um, and I can hear him in all things and I'm looking for him in all things. And I have this rule from the time the boys were little that we don't um, when they're leaving for the day and I'm dropping them off at school, um, I have no idea what they're going to encounter. And so it was all it's always important to me that we're praying on the way to school even if they didn't want to, they always had to say something, even if they were grumpy, like, good morning, God, just so they could open up the line of conversation, right? Um, and so Jesus Calling has been a real sweet tool for me to use with my girls that, okay, now you read what it says in your language, right? And so they can read that on the way to school, and that way we've read that, we've opened the door to conversation for the, for, with the Father that we could have all day long, and, uh, and that's just been a real neat tool for us to use.
0: I go through different seasons of either reading the Bible all the way through or just different, way, different things that God has me doing, you know. Um, there for a while, it seemed like all the time, oh, listen to this. This is so good. You got to hear this. And um, she still does occasionally, but there for a while, it seemed like all the time she was like going, oh, you got to hear this one on Jesus Calling. So.
3: Yeah, and I do love that about it, that, that as a mature believer, I realize these are not the words of God, right? It's not someone adding to the Bible, but it sure sounds like something he would say. I think you miss it if you only read what the author wrote. You have to read what the author wrote and then read the word that goes with that. But when you read those words and you're like, huh, that's a different perspective, that's a new way of looking at that, that's a good way of saying that, and then you finish that out with the scripture that goes with it, that's where I think the power is.
0: This one here is one that just jumped off the pages at me. Um, It's the July 18th one and it says, I am nearer than you think, richly present in all your moments you are connected to me by love bonds that never that nothing can sever however you may sometimes feel alone because your union with me is invisible ask me to open your eyes so that you can find me everywhere the more aware you are of my presence the safer you feel this is not some sort of escape from reality it is tuning into ultimate reality I am far more real than than the world um, you can see, hear, and touch. Faith is the confirmation of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, perceiving as real fact what is not merely revealed to the senses. And that's that second part is from Hebrews um, 11.1. It's also Acts uh, 17, 27 through 28. I'll never leave you or forsake you is probably my favorite thing to remember about the Father. Um, There's something very powerful in knowing that Whatever happens, I mean, no, no, not depth, no height, nor height, nor any created thing will keep us from, the, separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And I just, it's something that we need to be reminded of daily because at the end of the day, he is not panicked. <laughs> you know? right. Um, right. He is still asleep in the boat when we're freaking out because the waves are getting high. Um, you know and I love the fact that he's like that and, and that, that kind of calming uh, certainty that he is with us um, and that he walks with us daily and the highs and the lows the times when we walk away or whatever he will never leave us or forsake us and uh, so that was very, that's very encouraging
2: Rope and Candace continue to answer God's calling in their life, even as it has meant setting aside some things that have been important to them and allowing God to use their talents and abilities in new ways and in a new ministry.
0: As we continue to do this whole rodeo ministry thing, um, we we had an opportunity to go several places, and so it came to a point where we were basically given a tithe of our year um, to do these rodeo Bible camps. Uh, there's one in Idaho there's one in Western Oklahoma one in South Texas one in Colorado and and we would go and and we would go and we would be there we teach them how to rope and how to tie goats and how to steer wrestle and all that kind of stuff and and then get to share Jesus with them and lo and behold uh, this she is invited to go sing at a um, at a FCA banquet and uh, and I could let her tell you that story but anyway they invite her out um, to sing at Sky Ranch. And at the time we didn't know what Sky Ranch was and Sky Ranch was we thought it was a like a boys' home, you know, and um, we go out there and she goes out there and she goes, no, That was great to have a, um, they do all this stuff. Well anyway, when she when I was she was out there singing and talking to them, they said, Well what's your husband doing? Well and, and it happened to be that I was in Idaho for one of those Bible camps at that time and she goes and uh, she goes, Well he's doing a rodeo uh, rodeo bible camp and they're going like we're in the camping business. We've never heard of Rodeo <laughs> Bible Camp. What are you talking about? And uh, so it's funny. I called home that night, and she says, you'll never guess what um, happened, and you'll never guess. I went to Sky Ranch, and it's a camp, and they want to come talk to us about, um, about what we do. So,
3: Yeah, so we did. Uh, we went and talked. They had said, hey, we've got 70 head of horses, and we don't want to invest that kind of money without, just for an activity. Um, that it needs to have a ministry component. Everything that we do is intentional, has a ministry component. We don't have any idea how to make these horses a ministry component, but we think you do. And so we did, we bailed in and said, sure, we can figure that out for you and with you. And um, we were at a good transition time in our life that uh, we had three kids by then, but also recognizing, and it's one of the things that I look back on and I find interesting that he really still was um, extremely competitive. That it wasn't like we were—he was nearing the end and not winning and not being competitive. He was still extremely competitive and probably could have been very actively competitive, making the NFR for another five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Um, but we were just in a different place spiritually. The Lord just had us in a different place, and I think He had a new assignment for us.
0: Now they hired us, and my first day was November first that year, and the, the last NFR I went to was in December, a month later. And, the last year, I run at the NFR. I won the go-around, so I guess uh, we ended on we ended on a pretty good note. I guess, but, yeah. I mean, they literally said on the day they hired me, "Look, we're just hiring you so that someday we can get your wife to come work here." <laughs> and of course, now she's the vice president of uh, sales and marketing, and and leads all of that there, and and you know, really, you know, does a lot of the things that people don't realize. She sets people up for success when they come there with their kids. They bring, you know, we have seventy thousand around seventy thousand people come. To Sky Ranch camps across four locations every year, and you know it's it's a it's a lot of work to get that many people from that many different places um, and that many you know different programs to come to Sky Ranch, and, and that's what her team does, and they fill the pipeline so that me and guys like me and other people that work at Sky Ranch have an opportunity to share with them the love and uh, that's in Jesus Christ.
2: To find out more about the work that Rope and Candace do with young people at Sky Ranch, visit skyranch.org. Next time on the Jesus Calling podcast, we feature a return visit to the show from Texas country superstar Aaron Watson. We catch up with Aaron to hear about the latest opportunities God has given him to share his faith through music, including the release of his new album, An Aaron Watson, Family Christmas his tour, and an appearance at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas this December. A frequent performer at Western sports events, Aaron shares why this community is near and dear to his heart.
0: I love anything and everything um, associated with the Western world. And what I love about a lot of the, uh, what I love about that culture is in a world where everything is changing, these people are staying true to their roots, how they were raised, you know, and, and, and it's admirable. And it's, it sets a great example for me that, you know, okay, the rest of the world, they're doing their thing, you know. And, and I think that that's, you know, we talk about Jesus calling. I mean, we're called to be different.
2: Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling Podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling Podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.